to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your hosts, Jason Shepard and Lauren McClain. What is up, Cougar fans? It's starting to feel like fall, y'all. It's getting a little colder, the leaves are changing, but you know what is not changing, Shep? The Cougars being undefeated. I'm Lauren McClain. And I'm Jason Shepard. And did you just rhyme fall and y'all? I did. I like that. I'm not, I'm not from the South, but... <laughs> It felt right. My husband is. I was going to say, so that counts. You married into the South. It's I did. fine. You can, He's it's from per- Texas. It's perfectly fine. Thank you. Like, we usually start the show by looking back at BYU's last opponent, but after a Friday game last week, we actually spent Saturday talking about that game between the Cougs in blue and the Cougs in red. And I don't know if you knew this. Like, we say Cougs and we spell C O U G S. They actually, when they say Cougs, <laughs> they, Houston, I'm speaking of, C O O G S. Is it is it because so they're not in... only are they the red Cougs, they also spell spell Cougs weird. Cougs. I feel like that's how you got to say it. And the Cougars wearing blue and white came out on top after another Heisman like performance by Zach Wilson. Remember to check our podcast feed or BYURadio.org for all our past episodes, and you can hear what we thought right after the game and get the reaction of our old colleague that we love so dearly, Spencer Linton. <laughs> he was in his hotel in Texas. Yeah, he got up uh, bright and early at noon, uh, mountain time, to talk with us. <laughs> Look, it was Spencer. a late night for Spencer that night. It was. <laughs> and he's like, hey, you guys, see. No, yeah, he was great. No, Always loved talking fantastic. with Spencer. And I share an office with him, so I get to talk with him all the time. <laughs> but BYU back in Provo today, and more, I don't say more importantly, but certainly a, an added a boost to being back in Provo is the fact that fans will be back in the stands. Today we're going to talk with the president of The Rock, the roar of Cougars student section, about getting ready to bring in a 63,000-strong uh, sound from only 6,000 people. 6,000 people will be allowed into Lavelle Edwards Stadium tonight. We'll also get to know the opponent, as we always do. Brant Freeman will join us. He is the ESPN Plus uh, television play-by-play man for the Bobcats uh, and their uh, their broadcast. So we'll uh, talk with him, we'll talk about the game, get an idea of uh, a little bit of behind the scenes of Texas State, some of its... Uh, uh, history and its tradition. So we'll get to know the Texas State Bobcats today. And they have some surprising alum. We're also going to talk <laughs> uniforms, Navy on Navy tonight, with the BYU football equipment manager, Billy Nixon, and he's the caretaker of at BYU Equipment on Twitter, which you should give a follow to because if you like swag, you know, you like looking at BYU's uniforms, he is the guy to follow. Well, at BYU Equipment is the Twitter handle to follow. I hope he remembers that I'm a large. <laughs> I don't know if I've told him enough. I don't know. It does a hundred times ingrain something <laughs> If it in needs to brain. be 101, Lauren, I'm willing to go that route, okay? <laughs> I, know, I know you will. All right. Before we get to Brant Freeman on the line from Texas State, let's, uh, let's take a look at how the Bobcats have fared so far this season. And there actually is, because of BYU's, uh, I want to say, updated schedule. I don't want to say upgraded, but updated schedule from the original one. Uh, they actually have some common opponents. Uh Two BYU common opponents, uh, the 51-48 loss to UTSA and the 37-17 loss to Troy. So BYU played both, obviously won both, and the Bobcats played both and lost to both. This is a team in Texas State coming in with a record of 1-5. and And by the way, this will be the Bobcats' fifth straight road game. Oh, that's right. Imagine being on the road. For games, now obviously you're not on the road the whole time. It's not like you're traveling right, right. the whole week, but having to travel five weeks in a row to play a football game. 
And I know, but with the pandemic and there being no fans, it's probably less impactful than any other year. But yes, playing in your own stadium is more comfortable whether they're fans or not. So that's got to be something rough. They've already played another undefeated team as well, SMU. And they played them to start the season. It was actually a close game. Yeah, SMU, one of the other teams that, like BYU, is undefeated and ranked in the top 20. The interesting thing, and I think it probably explains a lot of their record at 1-5, and five, they brought in over 50 new players into the program this year. And, I mean, over 20 new starters. Like, this is a completely new team. Uh, Jake uh, Spavital is their head coach. This is a guy that's been at other places Ironically enough, he has actually been an assistant twice under Dana Holgerson, who is the University of Houston's head coach, wow. who BYU obviously saw last week. So he's actually run some of Dana Holgerson's offenses at West Virginia and then at Houston previously when Dana was there uh, one time before. He's also been at Cal. So this is a guy that's actually put, he's been an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at some of those other places, he's put quarterbacks into the National Football League. So this is a guy that knows offense. And honestly, with that many newcomers and new starters, the fact that they've hung with a lot of these teams and and gotten really close is pretty impressive and probably are going to have a great team in the years moving forward. But kind of an unfortunate start for them so far this season. And, and Jake... His brother, Zach Spavital, their brothers, is the DC, the defensive coordinator on the team. So that's got to be a, a fun dynamic. I wonder how that. I wonder if that makes it easier or more difficult to criticize if, like, the defense has a bad play. I would I'm imagine it makes easier. it easier because you're used to yelling at your brother, right? Oh, totally. You're. I don't know why we treat our siblings worse than other human beings, but that's just how it works. Have you ever worked with a sibling? I have in small capacities, but I have. And? Did it go well? And it's all right, because we were kind of Remember, on the same be, level. they may be listening right now. That's true. No, we were on the same level. It's not like she was my boss or I was her boss. That's where it gets a little, I think it can get a little dicey, is when you have to tell them what to do. We were kind of on the same level, so we were like, eh. We weren't super invested in what we were doing, so it was it was fine. Uh, was but, this an older sibling to you or older, a younger sibling? Yeah. Just right above me, though. Just three years. Where, where, by the way, where do you fit in your family? I am the baby. I am the baby of seven children. Wow. Chip. Okay. Yep. So they say the baby is spoiled, but I was not because I was the youngest of seven. You had to deal with everybody's, everybody wanting to give you. I had all the hand-me-downs. Yeah. I had, but I loved it. I didn't even care. Where do you fall? Um, I don't know how this is relevant. No, it really is not relevant at anyway. all. Uh, I, well, in, in terms of my mom and my dad, I am the only child. My parents are divorced. Okay. But I, I, I am the oldest of all of my of half brothers and sisters. So, yes. Well, we are on the opposite ends. Yes, of exactly. The spectrum, yes. Which is why you get a heck of a lot more done than I do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. So, Jake Spavital is the second youngest coach in college football right now. He's only 35. Shep, doesn't that make you feel so old? Uh, it does. And it's not like I need more reasons to feel old. Uh, so, yeah. Look, look, it's. It's everybody. Everybody in sports is just getting young. Like, like in the, even in the NFL, you have coach head coaches in the NFL who are in their mid thirties. Yeah. Like it used to be that head coaches on any level, like you had to be like sixty, it was like a prerequisite. <laughs> no, no more is that the is that the case? Well, it's definitely not applicable to the president of the United States. That's for sure. <laughs> no. But anyway, that's but you, you have to be thirty five though to still be president. You do. I, see, I remember from school. See, but it feels like you have to be eighty. <laughs> Anyway, that's a bit of randomness and a bit of Texas State on the field. Coming up, we'll get to know the school and the team off the field with their TV play-by-play man, Brett Freeman. That's up next on Cougar Tailgate.
Did you know Texas State battles Nichols State every year in the Battle for the Paddle, named for when the rivalry game was postponed once in the 90s due to flooding? Welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. And I'm Jason Shepard. You know here on Cougar Tailgate, we like to give you the, uh, the inside information and some of the fun facts that maybe you can uh, you know, quiz your friends about. How about this? Texas State was without a fight song for their first half century of play until Go Bobcats was written. You can uh, hear it right now, played by the Pride of Hill Country Marching Band. Uh, it's time to learn a little bit more about the Cougars' opponent tonight. We've got the TV play-by-play man, Brant Freeman, joining us via Zoom. Brant, welcome to Cougar Tailgate. How are you? Doing well, Jason, Lauren. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to the game tonight. Yeah, thanks for being here. So this is the this is the third straight team that BYU has faced from the Lone Star State. First, it was Texas San Antonio. Then last week, BYU played Houston. Uh, Texas State is in San Marcos, and correct me if I'm wrong. That's in between Austin and San Antonio, correct? You are correct. Kind of right smack dab in the middle between the two. It is about uh, 30 minutes south of Austin and about 40 minutes north of San Antonio. So right there in between the sweet spot. Great college town. Student enrollment here is about 40,000. Again, if you ever want to venture out of San Marcos, you have places like Austin and San Antonio uh, available to you. Um, So, yeah, we are centrally located and uh, really happy where we're at. I'm curious what the the fans are like because you're obviously close to Austin and and the Longhorns and then San Antonio uh, with with the Spur. Where where is where does the fan base fit in that area? That's a great question because you're right. You know, in Austin, you're competing with the University of Texas and the great fan base they have there. And San Antonio, you know, you mentioned UTSA. Their football program is still relatively new. They've only been playing football since 2011, um, so they don't have a, a, a huge following, but it's been almost a decade now, so they definitely have, have established uh, a following. Um, the Spurs obviously are huge there. It's also a big Dallas Cowboys town. Um, and so sometimes, uh, yeah, school, uh, athletic program like Texas State can get lost a bit, but I mentioned the huge student, student body that we have, and uh, over the years, it's been—I it's, think it's been thirty thousand plus for the past fifteen years or so now. So once they graduate, you know, these uh, graduates from Texas State will go on and work in Houston or Dallas or San Antonio or Austin or or outside of Texas. And so our fan base can be kind of spread from time to time. Um, when the team is playing well, the environment there is great. Certainly, the pandemic has affected what you know, what we normally would have for the home games here um, at Texas State. It's also been a while. Last time the team played at home was on September the 12th of this season. But um, the stadium, uh, Bobcat Stadium, seats about 30,000. And there have been a couple of times that the house has been packed, and it's quite the environment. So the fans that we have here are are diehards and dedicated. Uh, But you're right. We we do compete from time to time um, in terms of uh, attention or or, – uh, media coverage because of uh, who we're competing with. You mentioned UTSA is close by, and we always ask about rivals. And when we were speaking to them, Texas State came mm-hmm. up as one of their biggest rivals. So is that feeling mutual? 
Absolutely it is. And the funny thing is, I mentioned again that UTSA hasn't been playing football for all that long, only since 2011, while we've been playing for more than 100 years. Um, but it was a rivalry deep-rooted in men's basketball. They used to be in a conference with one another in the Southland Conference and played each other in a, in a number of memorable basketball games, including in the conference postseason tournament. Um, some great players that went on to the NBA were a part of that rivalry. Jeff Foster at Texas State, then known as Southwest Texas. Devin Brown for UTSA later played for the Spurs and won a title with them. And, of course, Foster spent – um, a good, his entire career with the Indiana Pacers. And in any way, so the rivalry was kind of deep-rooted um, in men's basketball. The, the proximity had a lot to do with that. The two campuses are separated by about maybe a little less than an hour away. Um, and they were in a conference with one another for one year in football in the WAC. Um, in fact, UTSA and Texas State were members of the WAC in the final year of its uh, football existence. Um, and even since they've since gone their separate ways, UTSA to Conference USA, Texas State, and the Sun Belt, they have made an effort to continue scheduling one another in non-conference play, and it's one of those red-letter games. Um, you know, one on the calendar you circle every year that they that they play each other. Uh, I hate admitting it, but UTSA <laughs> has had the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Um, they've won all four meetings, although three of them have come down to the wire to include the game this year. Um, so looking forward to many more years of uh, football between these two uh, to come. But yeah, the, the fan base is certainly good up for that game. We so, know we know something about hating to admit losing to your rival. So yeah. so no need to feel bad about that. Yeah, we don't need to get into. Sure. Yeah, we don't certainly don't need to get into losing to the rival here. Uh, Brand, I'm curious. One of the things it's fascinating when we talk with uh, opposing broadcasters or anybody related to the the opposing um, university is famous mm-hmm. alumni. Now, as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, I would love for the answer to be Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, I'm going to sure. assume that's probably not the answer to this. <laughs> uh, but who is the the most famous Texas State uh, alumnus? Is it uh, former President Lyndon Johnson or George Strait? It's me. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. No, but, but no. <laughs> Uh, no, I, yes. I mean, you know, LBJ uh, certainly is in that conversation. Um, he's the only president that, that attended a Texas university um, and it was Texas State. Um, George Strait, obviously, you know, extremely popular among amongst country music fans. When it comes to sports, Paul Goldschmidt is probably the most notable name. Uh, he's been an all-star time and time again um, and has had a great major league career. Um I mentioned Jeff Foster when it comes to the NBA. We, we've had Super Bowl winners before as well um, that have played football at Southwest Texas. Um, maybe not famous, but we did have a quarterback here, a part of the Brady Six. I'm sure you guys all watched that <laughs> ESPN 30 for 30 yep. a couple of years ago, uh, documenting the six quarterbacks taken before Tom Brady. Uh-huh. Texas State's own Spurgeon win was one of them. He was the last quarterback taken before Brady. Um, but I, yeah, I, I would say getting back to your original question, those two are at the top of the list. I want to add another though, the heartbreak kid, Sean Michaels, Michael Ooh, Higginbottom, hey. as he was known here, well, also went to Southwest Texas. Well done. Very, very nice. I'm going to go with George Strait. Being a country fan, that's the one that really stood out to me. So I love that. Hey, so what are some of the unique traditions the fans or that the team do on game day at Texas State? 
Well, uh, you know, the, the team uh, touches what they call the Bill Brown victory ball. Uh, Bill Brown was a great coach here back in the day, and um, it's, a, it's a ball that leads the players out of the tunnel and out onto the field. Um, that's a big tradition that they have. You know, when uh, life is normal, you know, the tailgate scene here is incredible. You know, both the student body and the alumni do a really good job of turning out for some great uh, tailgating just outside of the stadium. Um, there are a lot of great local spots people go to before and after the games. Um, one big tradition that's not necessarily rooted in football, but is so with the university, um, is that uh, once you walk the stage, uh, students will then jump into the San Marcos River um, at Sewell Park, located just outside the basketball arena. That's a big tradition here. Um, and you know, this is a very proud uh, alumni base, you know, and uh, they have a lot of passion for, for Texas State and for football. Um, and a lot of those diehards have been around for a long time. Um, and we're here when the program won back-to-back Division II national championships. Uh, you talk about uh, tradition. One of the great names associated with this university is that of Jim Wacker, uh, who was the head coach for both of those national championships. Um, the, the effects of which are still being felt today. If not for those, the school never would have moved up to the one then known as one double A level now FCS. And, um, and then about 25 years after that, um, David Bailiff was the head coach and led the team to a big run in the FCS playoffs. And without that, they don't play or move up to the FBS. Um, and so a lot of that is rooted back in the traditions that uh, Jim Wacker set in place now 40 years ago. We're talking with Texas State broadcaster Brant Freeman here on Cougar Tailgate. And, and Brant, this show specifically is not necessarily designed for a lot of X's and O's and breaking down the game. But, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you about the game tonight. Obviously, th- this is going to be a, a tall task for the Bobcats. They come in at 1-5, mm-hmm. and five, um, offense averaging about 28, defense giving up about 31. And they're facing a team that's 5-0 and oh and 12th in the country. What do you make of this matchup tonight? Well, Zach Wilson's a problem, (laughs) certainly for Texas State, for anybody. He's been incredible. Um, You know, the the pandemic has adversely affected so many people, you know, on a global scale. If you're ever trying to find some silver linings of it, if you look at it at this level in terms of just talking football, um, uh, programs like Texas State have been able to get more national attention being with games being on national television. Um, Jeremiah Haydell, a receiver for Texas State, has made – Sports Center's top 10 a couple of times now. And, and I also think, too, that BYU has benefited with that. Now, BYU certainly has much more name recognition and, um, and more national prominence than Texas State uh, has had. But I think that, you know, with, uh, with the SEC not playing until the, until the fourth week or so of the season, the Big 12 and, uh, and the ACC not starting right away, and, of course, just now getting Big 10 football, impactful football on the horizon has given uh, a school like BYU a chance to really uh, take that national spotlight and run with it. Um, and so their play has really impressed a lot of national pundits and Zach Wilson, maybe in a normal year, still wouldn't be up for Heisman conversation, but he, he's very much deserving of it the way that he's played. So he's going to be a problem for uh, Texas State's uh, defense. You know, you look at the Bobcats, and you you might be able to divide their season by the bye week. Before it, they were playing extremely well. Uh, They played Shane Bouchelle, another quarterback having a great year out of SMU, played him very tough. 
picked them off a couple of times, played SMU to a seven-point game, just couldn't quite uh, get over the hump and, and find a way to close it out. Um, the UTSA game was one that Texas State arguably should have won. If they make an extra point with a minute 15 left, uh, arguably they do win that game. They didn't make the kick. They lost in double overtime. And, of course, as BYU fans know, UTSA is a good football team. Yeah. Pushed uh, the Cougars a little bit there in Provo. Um, in week three, the Bobcats got their win and defeated ULM handily on the road in a conference game. In week four, they should have beaten Boston College. Uh, had a two-touchdown lead late in the third quarter. Game got away from them late. Didn't trail until there were three seconds to go. Uh, then the team at the bye week. Since then, though, they haven't played as well. Both uh, games have come in conference, a loss at Troy and then South Alabama. Um, but talking to the coaching staff, they're not hanging their heads right now. They, they still feel very confident about themselves. They're going into this game as if they have nothing to lose. BYU does. This is a team right now maybe trying to get in the playoff conversation, getting Zach Wilson more and more Heisman uh, uh, talks surrounding him. And you know, they're the ones that are 34, whatever it is, point favorites. And so – the pressure's on BYU in this game, not Texas State. So the Bobcats are going to play free, play loose, and and try to you know try to have some fun, and maybe by night's end try to pull off an upset. Brant, last thing before we let you go, and we appreciate you joining us. And this is something that we ask every opposing broadcaster that we have on: What's the storyline, or who's the player that people, when they watch the game tonight, should pay attention to in regards to Texas State? The easy answer is the quarterback, right? I mean, that's who that's everybody's eyes are drawn to, no matter the level of football um, you're watching. And Brady McBride is the quarterback for Texas State, a University of Memphis transfer. Actually transferred into the program last year, did so very late in fall camp. They tried to get him eligible. It didn't work out. Um, so he had to sit out uh, 2019, won the starting job going into 2020. And he's shown some flashes of why the – coaching staff has been so high on him since he arrived uh, last August, uh, August of 2019. Uh, kind of a gunslinger mentality. We'll, we'll take some risks, but uh, they seem to pay off more than they do hurt him. So he's certainly somebody to watch. Uh, this team does not have a, a bell cow running back, although not many teams these days do. You'll see a combination of Brock Sturgis and Arizona State transfer, Jamil Jeter and Oklahoma State transfer and Calvin Hill, uh, a Texas high school kid, all get turns at, at running back. Um, probably the most exciting player would be Haydell. I mentioned him, and uh, I think his play was number two, Sports Center top ten following the game against SMU. Had an Odell Beckham-esque catch, <laughs> kind of reaching back with one hand uh, to haul in a touchdown in that game. And, and then the next week had a 91-yard pump return for a touchdown uh, against UTSA uh, that tied the game, and that's the extra point I was alluding to that wasn't successful. So uh, offensively, they've got some playmakers. Um, so, you know, uh, enjoy watching the offense, you, you, you know, on top of the talent that they have. There's a lot of creativity within Coach Spavadol's offensive system, so that should be fun to watch. Well, we're excited to watch. Hopefully it'll be a fun game. Brent Freeman is the ESPN Plus play-by-play man for Texas State. Thank you so much for joining us on the Cougar Tailgate today. Lauren, Jason, I really do appreciate it again and uh, enjoy the game tonight. You too. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brent. And one other thing, he mentioned Calvin Hill, by the way. Calvin, if that name sounds familiar, it should. 
Uh, Calvin Hill is named after his grandfather, Calvin Hill, who is the former Dallas Cowboy great. Really? Oh, and by the way, Calvin's dad is Grant Hill, former NBA All-Star. So yeah, Dang, athletics runs what? in their family, without question. He will be on display tonight at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Speaking of on display, coming up next, we're going to be talking uniform combos. Love this conversation. Is it, uh, is it Navy? Is it Royal? We're going to talk with Billy Nixon. He is the BYU football assistant equipment manager, also known as the man with the mad dance skills on the sideline. Oh, you knew who I'm talking about. We're excited to talk with him. It's coming up next. We'll talk with Billy Nixon right here on the Cougar Tailgate. Did you know Boko the Bobcat is the mascot for Texas State? Their athletic director selected the animal a hundred years ago because, quote, a bobcat will fight you with everything he has. Four claws, teeth, speed, and brains. Cougar Tailgate. My name is Jason Shepard. And I'm Lauren McLean. Earlier this week, the BYU Equipment page tweeted, and at BYU Equipment, by the way, a picture of the Navy on Navy get-ups. The Cougs will be sporting on the field later today, reinvigorating the debate between Cougar fans about which is superior, Navy or Royal. But how did BYU decide on this combo for today, and how did Twitter find out? Well, we have the man in charge of that tweet, the assistant equipment manager at BYU, Billy Nixon. Welcome to the Cougar Tailgate, Billy. Hey, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I, here's my question. How often are you asked for gear? <laughs> Being in charge of equipment and gear, I have to imagine that a day doesn't go by without people asking you for something. It, it's seriously every day of my life. I mean, you, I can't go to church without somebody saying like, hey, you know, Billy, I know it would look really great with this dress I'm wearing, a BYU jacket. <laughs> you know, and, and so... And you know what I love about the community? I love Cougar fans. I love living in Utah County because everyone has an opinion about BYU football. And they also have an opinion how we should look, right? So I have a million stylists critiquing our football uniforms and, and get up every single week, and I love it. Keep the suggestions rolling. Do you love it? You I do. really do. You know, I, I enjoy Cougar fans being a part of it, right? And, and I love our players being a part of it. And I think that that's what makes it so exciting. How how often do you get asked by Jason Shepard specifically about equipment, though? Well, I do know Free he's stuff. a size large. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. Because well, I, I may that. not have tweeted that out. Of course I don't you know. know that. I don't think there's one piece of item that I've tweeted about yet that he hasn't you know, reminded me that he's a size large and where his office is located. <laughs> hey, by and the my, way, Billy, my, my size home large. address, uh, my social security number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow! <laughs> That's how much he loves. That's how much you love equipment and free swag. Billy, we we have so much to talk to you about. So, I want to know. Each week, you've been obviously tweeting out what the uniform combination is going to be. Yes. So obviously, that starts somewhere. Who decides each week what uniform and what combination of colors is going to be worn? Well, that's a great question. You know, this actually started from. It's built on Kalani's vision, right? Kalani's been very, um, very vocal that he wants to have a player-led team, right, that staff-supported, right? And, and I bought into that, and I think that it's a cool vision. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the players, you know, rule the roost, right? It actually has been neat to watch these players develop leadership and make, you know, very critical decisions. And so this year when there was a huge curveball in our scheduling, 
I'm like, hey, what about if we start something new? Let's let the players decide. So we brought all the leaders up, right? And in fact, more than just the leaders showed up. I mean, it was almost, we couldn't keep any seniors out of the second floor of Legends. And we just said, all right, we have a blank schedule. Right, all of the marketing artworks kind of you know foiled for the year because our schedule changed. What do you all want to wear? And it was neat to watch the players collaborate and players that you wouldn't even know that uniforms was a big you know a big deal that they would throw out. You know, oh, we should wear this. It's funny. I'll never forget one of the first uniform combos thrown out. Zach Wilson's like, hey, so do you guys remember, uh, uh, Billy, by, when, when's the last time we wore Royal on Royal? I'm like, Zach, I know for a fact you didn't forget the last time we wore Royal on Royal. Because <laughs> I think that was one of the most phenomenal quarterback games, you know, in, in bowl history of BYU. So it's been neat because each player contributed to the combos. So every uniform you're seeing this year there was a player or multiple players that were strong advocates for, for the combination. Who was one of the most surprising guys that had an opinion about what they wanted to wear? You know, I'm so glad you bring that up because the Navy on Navy was Matt Bushman's idea, right? Oh, and the last time we I wore it that. was in 2010 I against New Mexico. It's been a long time. Yeah, and what I love is, you know, the Salt Lake Trib, I think they even said after we were, you know, beat uh, New Mexico, they said that we, we beat New Mexico in dominating fashion. Right, and that was the last time we wore, you know, navy on navy. Bushman's like, hey, I'm a senior. We've never done it. I would love to, you know, can we? And of course, Tom Homel was supportive, and Kalani was supportive, and and it's going to be neat. I think the boys are excited. So when fans get a little down, like, oh, navy on navy, we've never done that. Correction, we have, and also the boys are so excited. So. It's it's fun to watch them get really behind these equipment decisions. Well, and and I think what's interesting, and we've seen this change over the last, I would say, ten years. But the, in recent memory, it's 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 ramping up even more. You mentioned how the players have an opinion, and they're really invested in this. It used to be like, okay, well, I'm I'm going to go play, and I don't care what the uniform is. Those days are gone. Everybody has an opinion. Sometimes people make decisions on where they want to go based off of uniform and uniform combinations. I mean, Oregon is a prime example of that. That's one of the things they're known for are all their uniforms. This has turned into a, a an actual like a recruiting tool, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the recruits love it. I know that there's an article in Sports Illustrated this week by Casey Lindquist. He brought up uh, how in a poll he did, the recruits, they love – uh, variety, right? They, that's what it's about. It's about the players love being involved in the decision-making process, and they love variety. The fact is the players don't want to let Navy go. Uh, when I met with the players, it was a little bit of a joke at first. You know, Zach's like, hey, this perfect time, let's throw out the Navy. And I said, well, no, let's really talk about game by game, and I'll let you guys decide. And, and Dave Almodova was there with us, and we were shocked with how – the boys, after the, you know, we got the laughs off, they're like, no, variety is awesome. It would be cool to not wear the same uniform twice in a row. You know? and, and so the boys want, the recruits want, they just want something new, and they want something exciting. And, yes, the game of football has changed, but let's get on board. And so it, it's been a fun year. You hear that, fans? Calm down. The players chose the Navy. <laughs> they can ease up a little bit. But speaking of the different colors, for most of BYU's existence, royal has kind of been the color, and it's been coming back into trend. And it seems like Kalani, I've heard Kalani say he loves royal blue and wants to bring it back. So do you think that could be one of the primary colors again? Do you see that happening? 
Yes, I, I see it happening, and I think we all love it. Royal looks awesome for marketing photos. I will say I will be sad if we ever got rid of Navy because no one wants to get off a bus looking like Papa Smurf. You know, so you know we, 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 need to thi- we need to think about fans' attire because I know that I much rather wear Navy on a daily basis than wear Royal, right? But I will say that Royal looks great, and we all love Royal, and we want to keep Royal. But remember that before Royal, BYU was Navy. Right. And so if you go back and look at some of the early athletic photos, you know, even back then we were going back before, you know, we were going back and forth between Navy and Royal. That GIF look, you know, when I found a picture of GIF, he was wearing both Navy and Royal in a football game. Right. So this is not new. BYU's always been blue and and Navy and Royal have always been a part of our identity. Is there any chance? And I don't even know. I don't think this would look good, probably. Would we ever wear Navy and Royal? Because you said GIF and some of the pictures, it looked like he had both. I, I don't know what that look would look like, but is, is that even possible? So it, it, it is possible. I don't, I don't think it will happen anytime soon. <laughs> uh, but in fact, I played lacrosse here at BYU, and the year we won the national championship in 2011, um, our uniform combination had, was Navy with Royal um, accents in the jersey. And I thought it looked awesome. Right. So I think that Royal and Navy do look good together. Um, I don't think it, they look good together all the time, but it's certainly a possibility. <laughs> that, that would send fans into an uproar. A coma. I mean, they just a, really a, would. Elation. Oh. Yeah, exactly. When Kalani wears the Royal hat with the Navy blue shirt, I'm like, is there even a game happening or is this the only, you know, because all that people are talking about is that combination. But anyway, we digress. So you talked about earlier that. You do get a lot of suggestions from fans. When you're at church, you know, everybody has some sort of opinion. Have there been any really good ideas from fans that you've gotten? You're like, whoa, we might use that. Oh, you know, that's that's a really good question. I don't think um, – no, I, I think we, we have a lot of the these ideas, you know, uh, already in the works or we've talked about them. You know, I think sometimes fans think that their idea is new. You know, I know that I'm sure every fan probably listening right now is like, okay, well, what happened to the black uniforms? You know, and, and that is brought up a lot. Trust me, I know I can't go to church without people asking, you know, we were supposed to wear black suits to church. Why can't we wear black uniforms on Saturday? You know, Saturday prepares for Sunday, you know, and so. Um, Reminds me of a song. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, I actually do take notes. You know, when fans have an idea, or when I see another program doing it, I have a notebook that I'm like, hey, I'm going to bring this up with the players. And some of the fans' comments on, on our Twitter, the Twitter's been awesome. And I'll take some of those comments. And I'll actually meet with some of our players and say, hey, what do you think about this idea? And the players, they either love it and sometimes they hate it. You're, I will say those listening, if you have posted, it's probably good that I haven't told you if the players hate your ideas. Right? <laughs> so keep them coming. Um, but I think the players are just excited to see fan and player engagement. And it's been, it's been a neat process. Talking with Billy Nixon here on Cougar Tailgate. We appreciate him uh, stopping by. Uh, big football game tonight. As we mentioned, BYU will be decked out in the All-Navy against uh, Texas State, the Bobcats in Provo. So now, Billy, besides handling uh, BYU football equipment, uh, you've also started to make a name for yourself for other reasons. <laughs> uh, you've become the sideline dancing heartthrob. Uh, I am curious your thoughts on that aspect of your life. Yeah, you know what? Um, my wife's allowed me back in the house now. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's funny because uh, my wife, she knows that I'm, I'm not very 
I, she knows I'm not a good dancer. Now the whole world knows I'm not a good dancer. <laughs> but Kalani, it, before the game, he's like, hey, I want staff. I want players. We're going to have fun. And with having no fans in the stadium, right, we had to create our own energy for the first, you know, four or five games, right? And I'm bought in. I mean, Kalani's my man. So if he tells me to dance, I'm going to dance. And in fact, I'll tell you, right after the game, you know, the players, I walked in the locker room and, man, I just – that's the first I heard of it. I walk in the locker room and they're like, you'll never believe, man. You are now a meme. I didn't even know what a meme was but I'm or a gif. I'm like, I'm a gif. That's you know new to me. And Kalani saw it and Kalani kind of chuckled and said, hey, you know what, Billy? There's nothing to be ashamed about because I asked you to dance and you danced. Right? And that's what our program's about. And in fact, Kalani and I talk about it all the time and, and that I really don't care. Right, what people think about my dancing. At the end of the day, I just care about what 123 football players think. Right, and I need to keep them energized and whatever that takes. We just want to win football games, and it's been a fun experience. And in fact, the boys, you know, they're telling me I'm getting better. So that you saw a little taste of it on ESPN. I'm telling you right now, they see a whole lot of taste of it in the locker room after games. Wow. So wow. Um, we just have a lot of fun. You and Jason, I, you yeah. maybe go on the road with this? I was going to say, what are we going to see next? Yeah, see, Jason, Jason wants to do a little coordinating dance and stuff. That's above, <laughs> that is actually above my, my pay level. Yeah. So I'm very uncomfortable with that. Synchronized Jason's dancing. Like, Come on, let's, let's make up a yeah, dance. Synchronized let's... dancing is not my forte. Synchron- okay. Synchronized dancing. I don't know if that's what it's called, but, uh, but listen, please. Please do it. Please do it. Just for us. Do just it for the tour, fans. Just tour Utah County. You'd, you, be... you'd do anything for Kalani. I'm gonna t- let's talk to Kalani and say, We're hey, We're going to see if please. we can make this happen, Billy. Maybe give, will... him a, give him a little bonus. I mean, only only at BYU do I get a text message from my bishop that night saying, hey, are we going to see you at church tomorrow? You know? Like, <laughs> so, I uh, anyway, I, I think everyone's had a little bit of fun with that video. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, earlier when uh, BYU played Troy... We saw that you are graduating or have graduated from Troy. What's that story? Yeah, I'm actually graduating um, in with my doctorate in sport management, athletic administration. And that's been an awesome, awesome experience. What's funny is I actually defend my dissertation the morning of the Boise game, right? So that's a little bit of added stress. Um, but it's been a fun experience. When I first uh, sat in this seat or in this job, uh, Dallin Moody, who worked up in the athletic department, told me, hey, if you want to really – do great things, go back and get an administration degree. And I already had a master's degree in education. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to go back to school again to get an administration degree, I want to make this one count and be fun and something I really want to do. And Troy at the time just opened up a opportunity for a for people to join remotely. And so I'll actually be the first graduate to graduate from Troy uh, remotely. And so they've been awesome with me. You know, so I've been able to zoom into the classes and uh, it's been a great experience, and I feel like I'm maybe two shades smarter, right? <laughs> so it's been awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, that's congr- so that's, awesome. That's a really cool story. That's how, hard work. How, how did you get into this, by the way? I mean, what, what, is, your, what is your story? Where did you grow up? How did you get into this? I fell into it. Um, I grew up in Washington, D.C. I came out to play lacrosse at BYU, and when I was done playing lacrosse, I my passion has always been to coach football, right? And so I knocked on the door of Mick Hill. He's director of equipment ops. I said, Hey, I just want to intern. I want to get my foot in somehow because it's hard to crack the, the into the college football world. And so I ended up interning uh, as a student with Mick and with Robert and I for two seasons and under Bronco. And it was awesome. 
And then I got my first head football uh, football coaching job at American Leadership Academy in Spanish Fork, and I did that for three seasons. And I got a call one day and said, hey, you know, did you hear a job opened up with Kalani's team? They want to bring on another equipment manager. And, and so that was a little bit of a hard decision to step away from coaching, right? But at the end of the day, what I love about coaching is I love being a part of these young men's life, right? And in fact, I think I have the best role in the program because in college football, these coaches have a whole lot on their plate. And I, my goal is just to be the best friend of the football players. So I see them daily. I talk to them. I talked about, you know, the relationships, how their classes are going, you know, and so that same piece I loved about coaching high school football, I get, you know, yes, I don't get to call the plays, right? That doesn't mean Coach Grimes can't turn to me and, and let me call a couple. Have you, you know, call I'm, the play? No, I wish. I'd be ready, though, <laughs> you know. But, uh, and so uh, I came back and I love it. I love being a part of this place. All right, here's my question then, based off of that. You have Coach Grimes in the middle of a game. He looks at you, Billy, I need your best play right now. What is it? <laughs> oh, best play. Yeah, like I need, we, like, we have to score Well, it depends. Now. What, down it's not going to be down Chiefs. down distance, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Okay, I, so, okay, all right. Uh, we're going for it on fourth and goal from the six. Fourth and goal from the six? Yes. Hand the ball off to Tyler behind our offensive line, and that's an easy one. Okay. You know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Very nice. Wow. So what if we see that situation, it's fourth and six. The ball is handed off to Tyler. He takes it right in. Yeah. Can we assume you called that? Yeah. Or yeah. Or Jay. Or, or we could just have Zach. You know, he can run it up the middle, okay. right? You know, with our offensive line, you have as many options as you want. You know, just hand the ball off yeah, and keep it good. rolling. All right. I like it. We're gonna be like Billy. Billy called that. A touchdown. Call, call that play, Billy. He, he's yeah. nowhere near the the play callers. No, he's dancing on the fifty-yard yeah. line. He's actually yeah. so far dancing with Jason. Now he's synchronizing. Exactly. Synchronized dancing. Synchronized dancing. Oh, Billy, you were fantastic. Okay, one last question. So. Game day has to be interesting for you. What What is game day like for you when your day starts, and how does it finish? What's it like? So really in this part of the season, they all kind of blend in, right? <laughs> uh, I feel like we're on a roller coaster, and we won't stop until the bowl game. But uh, we get my staff and I get there probably about five hours before the game. The locker room's already set up, so we just kind of fine-tune things. And then when the team arrives, you know, we take care of the team's needs, coach needs, during the game, my, I have uh, 10 full-time student um, assistants that are awesome. Uh, some of them you know, are ball boys during the game. Some of them are there to fix equipment, um, and they do a remarkable job. After the game is kind of where the action starts because after the game, cleaning up the locker room. I mean, think about it. Tomorrow's 8.30 kickoff, so I already know in my head we're not getting the truck loaded to leave this place until you know 1 o'clock. Um, and then – Usually cleaning up from a game will take anywhere from 8 to 18 hours, right, just from trying to get all the stains and jerseys and helmets fixed and ready to go for next week. So it's it's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Smell, the smell is what came to my brain, honestly. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what I'm thinking And that's about. actually why, you know, I'm so excited to wash them because some of these guys, <laughs> I know, I mean, I'm not going to say Bracken Elbacary's name by <laughs> any means. Name. But I definitely won't I'm say I'm telling Bracken. you right now, there are some guys that if we left up to them, they would not wash anything, right, because of superstition <laughs> yes. or some reason. You have a good game. You don't want to mess with it. Yeah, them. everyone has a good excuse not to wash their, you know, their clothes, I guess. <laughs> You're like, Bracken, please take your socks off. Please. I'm like, bro, please. Give me I'll your wash socks. Bracken, please. I'll help you. I'll do yeah, it I'll do it you. for you. I will take them off. you got to wash those. But you know what? It's players like that, I mean, that it's just fun to be around, 
right? Bracken always makes it exciting. All the players, you know, the more you're in this, you realize they're all individual. They all have needs, but they're so much fun. They're a great group. He's Billy Nixon, Assistant Equipment Manager for BYU Football. Billy, thank you so much for doing this. And by the way, great job. I don't know how much of this kind of stuff you've done. You're a natural. You are a natural with this. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, see, very, I've, been very, looking, very well I've been looking for the cane to, like, yank me off. So. <laughs> No, 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 no. stuff, man. You've just opened the door. Yeah. You just opened the door. We we are going to have you on this program again, I can promise you Good. If you ever have a gear question, I I would love to answer it. And Billy, don't ever forget, this guy right here is a size large. large. I was just going to say, when I'm not pregnant, Billy... Around a medium. A medium. All right. Well, hey, I'll I'll take care of you guys. I am not pregnant, and I am still a large. (laughs) I'm not pregnant, and I wish I was a large. (laughs) Billy, you are free to leave now. All All right. right. Billy, thanks so much. Coming up, we have the president of the Rock section, Jason Hewlett, and he'll be talking about what it's going to be like having fans in LES for the first time. This is Cougar Tailgate. Did you know the Bobcats were bowl eligible their first two years after moving up from FCS? although they've never been selected to play in December. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. And I'm Jason Shepard. Hey, how about this? For the first time this season, fans will actually be able to fill the stands at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And actually, Phil, that may be somewhat of a misleading comment. They won't be... Full, there's going to be 6,000 fans, masking of course, social distancing of course, that will be allowed into Lavelle Edwards Stadium for the very first time. That will also include parents, families, superfans, and of course, the Rock BYU student section. This is Rock Talk on Cougar Tailgate. It's a special edition of Rock Talk today. Sometimes we go out and get a lot of opinions from different fans, but today... We've got one here with us to walk us through the Rock's unique role this year and some of the procedures for fans in the stadium. We welcome back to the show the president of the Rock, Jason Hewlett. Hey, Jason. Hey, how's it going? Good name, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great name. Well played by you and your parents. (laughs) More more your parents than you, yes. I didn't have much of a role in that. (laughs) I never know. Jason, when did BYU let you know that there could be fans in the game and that the student section could be there? Well, you know, it was... Uh, definitely a topic of conversation over the summer. Um, you know, a lot was up in the air about fans in the stadium, what, what that was going to look like. Right up until the beginning of uh, the season, there was a lot of hope that we would have fans. And, in fact, we, we sold tickets to that first home game to the Rock. And then, unfortunately, um, you know, the, the code changed for, the, for Utah County, and then they decided that we wouldn't be able to have the Rock or fans in general in the stadium for that first home game. So that was kind of a heartbreaker. Um, but it was last week when they when they told us that for this this home game against Texas State we'd have fans in the stadium. Did it help you guys for for this week? Obviously, it was obviously disappointing for everybody when originally the six thousand you know wasn't able to happen. But did it help that you had gone through the protocols on how to set everything up originally? Did any of those protocols change moving into this game, or was it kind of a seamless transition since you had already planned for it a couple weeks ago? You just move it to this week. Yeah, in fact. The tickets that were sold for that first home game, they just transferred over for this game. So pretty much everything <laughs> stayed the same. I mean, uh, we have a little bit more insight into the safety precautions that we need to keep uh, keep in mind during the game and things like that. But for the most part, it was a pretty seamless transition between that first home game when we had sold the tickets and this one. So of those 6,000 fans, how many are going to be members of the Rock? So they haven't actually given us an, an exact number, and I'm still waiting for the number from the ticket office for how many uh, student tickets were sold. But... Um, 
Definitely not not what we're used to. <laughs> what are the protocols? What is it that you are letting people know? Okay, so if you're going to go, this is what you're going to have to do. What 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 are the the protocols that are in place now? Well, those that receive that purchase tickets actually received an email with the specific protocols for this game, including you know what gate they need to enter, where they need to park, um, no bags, things like that. There really aren't many. Uh, Things specific to the Rock, as opposed to other, the other fans in the stadium. Um, I mean, it'll be really different this year in the sense that the Rock is going to be seated individually, social distancing, and uh, they're going to be pretty pretty strict on that, on wearing masks during the game, as well as keeping your distance from the other spectators. That'll be really different different from uh, years past, because as you know, you know the Rock is known for yeah. really packing it and, <laughs> and being real close together, but. Uh, yeah, those are probably the main things for this year. That cougar flag in the fourth quarter is going to be looking real sad in yeah. the student section. I, I wouldn't be expecting to see that one this game. <laughs> it's like, ooh. By the way, where is that down. housed? Where, that thing is massive. Is where so in the world <laughs> does that go when it's not game day? Yeah. Um, I mean, we have a few different closets that we keep it in. I mean, we have to. <laughs> a uh, few different closets. No, okay. What I mean by that is, you know, we use it for basketball. We use it for okay. football. The times when it gets really tricky is when basketball and football are going on. And so sometimes you'll see me walking that, uh, that making the trek between the football stadium and the basketball arena, uh, pushing that flag in a cart <laughs> if I need to get it from one, the basketball game to the football game or vice versa. You know what I was just thinking? You know, and I, Look, if you want to use this, feel free to use this. This <laughs> just came to me as we were having this conversation. You know what would be a perfect place to store that thing? is under the stage in the cultural hall. You know those really, really long... <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, where, yeah, they, where, yeah. They put the long, where the chairs and everything go? Uh-huh. It's super long. I bet it would fit perfect in there. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge flag, and we usually <laughs> just throw it into this bin that we wheel around. It, I mean, it might fit in there. I don't know. <laughs> just so, saying, if you want to use it, that's an idea. Just yeah, yeah. Great idea. Just throw it, it out there. That was a great idea. So what are some of the... So since you can't do stuff like that, what are some of the things you have planned to get the student section hyped and and unified during the game? Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try and do chants and cheers like we normally do. It'll be uh, probably a bit quieter than what we're used to, but um, you know, we hope to we hope to keep some of those aspects the same. We probably won't be doing the uh, the power where the rock you know put their arms around each other and sway back and forth. That probably won't happen. <laughs> that would be frowned distance. upon right that now. Yes, absolutely would be. <laughs> but you know, some of the other chants and cheers we're we're hoping to keep uh, keep for this game. As well as we got permission to have different signs during the game, you know, the third down stop signs, third down roars, all, all those kind of signs. We got permission to have those out there as long as we keep them sanitized and everything. Um, but, you know, we're going we're gonna to do our best. And this is our first game with, with students in the stands, with fans in the stands, actually. And so, you know, we're just going to... We're going to be rolling with the punches. We're just going to be figuring out <laughs> figuring it out as we go. Look, I, I think this is assumed, but I, I guess we probably should at least ask, since you're still waiting to find out exactly how many members of the Rock can go, you know you're going to get to go, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Will you be yeah. there? <laughs> yeah. I will be there. Like, as yep. the president, I'm sure you can pull some strings to make sure whatever <laughs> the number is, you're at least one of them. Yep. I... Uh... I have a luckily I have a few things that I ha- I get to help with during the game that, ah, nice. that got me a secured spot. There you game. go. All right. So regardless, at least we know he's You'll in there. there. Jason's going to be there. <laughs> how how do students get on the list for any future games? So uh, there's a system in place where Monday morning, 10 a.m. Uh, the week of a game, students get on to BYU tickets and then they submit a request for tickets and it's a first come first serve kind of thing. And I mean the tickets are limited. Unfortunately, I know some people that didn't get tickets to the game and and you know i encourage them to just be on <laughs> right at 10 next week 
uh, for the next game. From a social media standpoint, obviously I know that that's big with The Rock. I mean, I see I see on Twitter, Instagram, I mean, obviously all of the social media platforms. If somebody isn't following any of those, where can they go to, to follow The Rock, websites, anything like that? What Where can people go to get more information about The Rock? Yeah, so um, our social media is probably what we keep up to date the most. Um, we post a lot on social media, just info as well as other content about sports. Um, but our Instagram handle as well as our uh, Twitter handle is just at BYU Rock, BYU ROC. Um, so they can give us a follow on Instagram as well as Twitter. And that's where we'll post a lot of the information. We've been talking about uh, BYU's uniforms. They're going to be Navy on Navy for the game. What are your opinions? And what's, what's your favorite uniform combo? You know... I loved the uh, Giff Nielsen throwbacks that they did for the the BYU Houston game last week with the, the with the gray face mask as well. Yeah, well, I, the face mask isn't as big of a deal to me. More so the the royal and white combo. Mm-hmm. I think that the royal is definitely kind of our thing. I know my I grew up in a family of Utah State Aggies. Every time I'm at a family reunion, they always bring up the the navy and how we stole their color. I'm tired of that. But. Just improved on it. That's what <laughs> yeah, we did. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I definitely love the Royal. All right. Jason Hewlett is the president of the Rock Roar of Cougars student section. Thanks again for coming by the studio. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Lauren, the next time that we have Jason on the show, we need to dive into more on him saying that he grew up in a family of Aggies. Yes. I want to know that story, how uh, he is now the president of the student section at BYU, yet was raised in a family of Utah State fans. That is, that is, we could do an entire segment on that. Oh, of course. And I'm sure he's a little disappointed that BYU is not playing Utah State this year, too. Maybe we could get Riley Nelson in and, and also talk about that as well. There's probably a handful There's a of lot players of and people that we could bring in on, on that. That was, that was good. Look, it's going to be so much fun to have fans Tonight, I mean, granted, it's only 6,000, but you'd be surprised. Like, in in some of the games that have been played with some fans, I can't tell the difference from the X number of fans and their real crowd noise and the stuff that was piped in before. Oh, it, totally. it sounds the same to me in terms of the loudness and the atmosphere. I think it sounds great. I do, too. Yeah, when you're watching on TV, you don't know the difference. I, I forget there's no fans right. there when I'm watching on TV, honestly. Because you're just focused in on the game. But but for the, the players, the team itself, that's going to be really nice to have actual people there. Especially you their families. You can point at your family. Yes. yes. That's the important part. Even if they weren't able to get the fans in here, the fact that if it was just limited to family, that would be the most important thing for the players. Because they've even said that on social media a couple of times. They just want their families to be able to come and watch. So the yeah. fact that they get that and... Some Cougar fans in the building tonight. A couple fans here be, and there. It's going to be awesome. So after talking to Billy Ship, I'm actually really excited about the Navy on Navy. It's a well, and to hear the story that that was Matt Bushman's yes! choice. I got I got chills when so, he said that. I'm like, okay, this I game's can, for Matt. I can get behind the Navy. <laughs> this game's for Matt. Oh. I'm going to drop that knowledge by the way on the uh, pregame show tonight. By the way, yeah. Cougar pregame live, uh, 6:15 Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, 5:15. PM Pacific. A not so shameless plug. Not so a not so shameless plug <laughs> at all. No, I love it. And Halloween's next week. So how cool would the all blacks look on Halloween? Ooh, doesn't sound like it's gonna happen though. No, but it or would at be least cool. Billy if it is, Billy was not gonna give up any details on that. Yeah. It's true. Speaking of Halloween, um BYU's playing the Hilltoppers, Western Kentucky on Halloween. They will be in town. 
Remember earlier in the pandemic when uh, SiriusXM's college sports Twitter started a uh, bracket to determine the best college sports mascot and then, by the way, forgot to invite the best two? <laughs> that would be Big Red from they Western Kentucky. Learned their lesson. And, of course, Cosmo the Cougar. Well, uh, in a Cinderella run to uh, match any, the two 16 seeds, Cosmo and Big Red, made it to the finals. BYU won, of course, because BYU is awesome and Cosmo is awesome. Now, before the matchup next week, this is something that you're going to be able to participate in. You're going to be able to participate in a virtual pep rally. Coming up on October 29th, ESPNU Radio, which, by the way, is Channel 84, they're going to be hosting fans from each team on Zoom, and then the two mascots will join in on that as well. You can register at SiriusXM.com slash pep rally at SiriusXM, and it's S-I-R-I-U-S-X-M.com slash pep rally, or you can tune in Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. And that does it for today's Cougar Tailgate. We are a production of BYU Radio. Catch the podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, and remember to rate and review while you're there. Next week, it's the Halloween matchup with the Hilltoppers, but right now, it's Cougars versus Bobcats. This is Cougar Tailgate. Cougar Tailgate.